Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. You know, one of the things that I've um, been thinking about is how blessed Lisa and I have been for so many years. And one of the things we've been blessed with are long-lasting, healthy relationships. I don't know about you, but I love having relationships. And we have had relationships that span, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. You know, God has blessed us in so many ways. Obviously, we're married. We've been married almost 29 years. Some. That's what I'm talking about. 29 years. And healthy? Healthy. Happy? Happy. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know, 29 years. We don't even look 29, do we? I, I need an amen out there. I need an amen over here. We don't look 29, do we? That's what I'm talking about. Uh, we've, we've been blessed. We, we have three children that we are close with. We, we're blessed with those relationships. We have people that have been a part of our church here for 24 years that uh, still continue to serve, serve on the board, serve on the staff. God has blessed us in so many ways with relationships. And um, we're looking forward to helping Pastor Dustin and Jamie today and, uh, and taking the third part of the Real Talk relationship series. When we're talking about relationships and real talk, we're talking about real talk about relationships with our husbands and wives, with our children and parents, with our brothers and sisters, with our friends, with our co-workers. You know, it is all about relationship. You know, it's important that we are equipped to, to have relationships. And that's why we literally are spending a month Okay, studying relationships and what God says about relationships. The first reason why I really believe that we need to, to look at relationships and spend this much time is that there, there is a real deep, okay, innate desire and need for every one of us to have intimate and personal relationships. We're created that way. We're created for relationships. I think about my my friend Doug Johnson, you know, whenever I was a sophomore year and a sophomore in college and I had just gotten right with Jesus and, you know, I was kind of having a difficult time because, you know, when you get right with Jesus, you got to say no to other people. And do y'all know what I'm talking about? And so that's what I did. I'd, I'd said no to some of the friends that kind of we had done things together. And thus, I began to be a little bit lonely and spent time on the weekends by myself. Anybody did that? Anybody ever do that? Yeah, when you make a decision for the Lord. And so, you know, there was times where I was hurting and I was kind of feeling bad about myself and, you know, wondering and looking at everybody else. It seems to they're all doing well and, and uh, have friends. And I'm here on the weekends and, you know, I'm working out and I'm studying. And then I'd go to church. I'd go to church by myself and say hi to people. But just seemed over the next few weeks and, and, and a couple of months, I just couldn't have a friend. And so every every weekend I'd pray, Lord, will you bring me a friend? Will you bring me a friend? And I remember that Sunday night, okay, old school church fellowship, all right, on Sunday night. And I remember that 
we ended up, uh, I went to a, to a house where there was a fellowship, didn't know who the person was, didn't, all I knew it was a college gathering, and I went all by myself. Some of y'all are like, I never do that, I would never do that. Well, I did it. I was hungry, I was wanting to have relationships, you know? And so, I met a guy at the end of the night, and his name was Doug, Doug Johnson, and uh, he, he said, hey, you know, maybe next weekend, you know, you can come over to my place, we can grill some steaks. I'm like, are you kidding me? My, post, my first post being crazy friend, you know? And, and I'm like, well, let me check my calendar, see if we got it. Yes, I'm good. I'm good. And so went over there that night, and it was a really cool night. And uh, after we ate, I just sat, and, I, and I, I just felt led of the Lord to share my testimony about where I'd been and where God brought me from. And then he shares his testimony, where he'd been, or where God was doing it with him, with his life. And we realized that both of us had been in spending, we just recently got right with it. We, we were both spending time by ourselves with the Lord on the weekend asking for a friend. And God gave us each other. We became roommates. We became roommates in seminary. We were in each other's weddings. To this day, we're close. We love each other and have a dear love for one another. You know, it's important. Relationships are important. And we see in the scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. We don't want to do that, right? Nope. The, the author of The Broken Heart, a book called The Broken Heart, his name's Dr. James Lynch. He made an observation. He said, lonely people live significantly shorter lives than those who have close relationships. Okay, that's heavy. Lonely people die earlier. So here's the deal. We need to study about relationships so we don't die, right? That's a good reason to study about relationships. Seriously, God really loves relationships. And I'm going to just say the second reason that we need to study relationships is that of influence. Relationships equal influence. You want to have influence in the kingdom? You want to make a difference in this world? You're going to have to do it through relationships. I, I'm inch, it's, it, you know, relationships make the world go round. There's no doubt about that. You think about Jesus. Jesus, out of all the people in the world, he picked 12 to be in relationship with. And from those 12, then he picked three to become close with. And from those three, he picked John, the beloved, to be, to be having as an intimate brother. You know, in order for the mission of Jesus Christ to flow and to move forward, he had to have relationships. He did. He had to have relationships. You know, I've seen it where people, and you might have too, where people who are dedicated Christians, they love the Lord. You know, they sing and they worship and they praise the Lord. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, they've they have been, you know, uh, freed from darkness. But you look at their life and they have very little kingdom impact. And you think about that. Why is it that they have very little kingdom impact? You can almost 100% for sure understand that it's because they're not stewarding relationships. They're being godly, they love the Lord, but they're not stewarding the relationships that they have. The Carnegie Institute says that only 15% of our financial success, 
Okay, got you tuning in now? 15% of our financial success is due to what we know, our technical knowledge. 85% of our financial success comes from relationships. It comes from relationships, our, our personal skills, uh, people skills, and how we lead people. And so it's important. It's important for us, okay, to study relationships. You got to pay for your house. got to pay for your car. got to pay for your kids to go to college. Better start being nice to people, all right, and connecting with people for sure. It's not what you know, but what? who you know, right? It's who you know and the influence you have with those people that you know. So today in our Real Talk series, we want to talk with you about the subject of are you a giver or are you a taker? And their needs, just always consuming. But a giver is completely opposite. They have an outward focus. They think, how can I be a blessing to someone? They desire to look out for other people. You know, it's the givers in life that really make an impact. The takers don't make an impact because they're always looking for someone else to make an impact in their lives. It's sort of like they're sitting in the back seat of a car and they're saying, hey, you take the wheel and I'm just going to sit here. But a giver's completely different. They've got an outward focus. They're thinking, how can I bless you? How can I make this better? What can I do for you? That's a giver's mindset. Givers are the ones who leave a legacy because they build long-lasting relationships. And, and we know that in all relationships, there's give and take. That's, that's natural. But we do not want to be selfish takers. We want to be generous givers. And in the scripture, it says, Proverbs eleven twenty four: the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. I don't know about you, but I want my world getting larger. And it says the giver's world is going to increase, but the taker's world is going to decrease. And often, if you're a consumptive taker, you can find that you're a very lonely person. You know... I realized with something that just happened a couple days ago that Steve can immediately tell when I'm on the phone if it's a giver or taker just by my response. I found that I literally like hit my head and I was like, oh no. My wife is so expressive. Oh no. I mean, she was that way. And sure. he was like, what's wrong? And I'm like, uh, I just don't want to answer the phone. You know, I mean, if we're talking real talk, you have that. And you're, you're There's sitting some Pastor there. Pastor Keon called. Oh, my heavens. Uh, but you know that you're, you're really, you're, you're like that. You're like, oh, please, maybe if I don't answer the phone, maybe they won't leave a voicemail and I won't have to deal with it at all. But, you know, it's because the takers can begin to repel where the givers attract. We do not want to be people that don't want to answer the phone for us. We want to be people that get excited when they see us up on, up on their phone. So remember, takers repel givers attract. And so today, in the next few minutes, we just want to give you some relationship tips to make sure that you are being a generous giver. The first thing we need to understand is that givers focus on others. 
Givers always focus on others. You know, most the statistics tell us that most people spend, listen to this, 86% of their time thinking about themselves. No wonder there's so much darkness in this world. No, matter, no wonder there's so much depression in this world. We're making ourselves sick by thinking of ourselves. It's the truth. Only 14% of our minds, okay, are thinking about others. You know, do you want to do do know the best way to connect and relate to other people? Here it is. Stop thinking so much about ourselves. Just stop thinking about ourselves so much, our issues, what we got going on, and start thinking about others, especially the people that you want to have closer relationships with. Albert Einstein says that a person first starts to live when he can live outside of himself. We got to live outside of ourselves. You know, if your focus is always on you, then you won't be able to build positive relationships. And we see in the scripture, in Philippians chapter 2, it says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, okay? But with humility of mind, regard your brother as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out after your own personal interest, but also the interest of others. Okay, you want a little real talk here? Here we go, all right? Here we go. If you want good relationships, you might want to write this down. If you want good relationships, then you got to get over yourself. You got to get over your issues. If we want to have good relationships, we got to look at ourselves and say, okay, I'm sick of me. I'm going to focus on someone else. All right. It just has to happen. You know, takers will, will, will ask the question, how can people help me get what I want? Givers will ask the question, how can I help others? How can I help others get what they want and what they need? Well, I want to give you a few practical tips to help you uh, focus on others. First of all, just show interest in others. I mean, literally look into people's eyes, welcome them, ask questions about them, be a good listener. Did you know that literally 93% of all communication is nonverbal? It's through body language. Have you ever wondered, like, what am I giving off? What body language am I giving off to someone? If someone comes into a room and you give them a hug or you extend your hand, you're saying, welcome, I'm so glad to see you. If you look in their eyes and smile, you're saying, you're valuable to me. I, I want to know you, you're important. You know, there's nothing worse to me, and you've probably had this happen to you, that you're talking to somebody and you notice they're not looking at you. They're literally looking all around all the time. And you're saying something, they're kind of like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And they're looking all around like this. You could say, hey, I just wet my pants. And it's like, that's good. And they just keep going. It's like they're looking out and they're saying, I'm looking for someone important. And it's not you. We don't want to be like that. We want to be genuine and show interest in others. Also, we want to make people feel important. You know, recently... I had a really great opportunity to go somewhere and meet some amazing Christian women. They were very successful, had done some unbelievable things. And there was one woman that I saw, and I thought she was really beautiful. And I just went up to her, and I genuinely complimented her. And then I introduced myself, and I just asked her a question. Well, 
She literally began to spit out her resume to me. It was like, I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this. It was like she was on a job interview, and she was trying to win me over. It was sort of like going to some, like she was going to introduce the speaker at a banquet, and you know how you want to build that person up and acclimate and tell how wonderful they are? Except she was doing that about herself. She never asked me one question at all. There was no give or take going on in this conversation. She didn't even notice when I did what I told you not to do. I was looking all around like, somebody help me. Somebody make eye contact. Somebody save me and pull me out of here. But thankfully, it was about time to go to dinner. You know, she was accomplished, but all she made me want to do was run away because all she did was talk about herself. And sadly, one of my friends ended up having to sit by her at dinner. I felt sorry for them, but I did get to sit by somebody who was amazing. And the accomplishments that this woman had done far exceeded the other woman. But we had this give-and-take conversation go on all night, and we actually became friends. And we, we have um, been talking back and forth, and when she comes in town, we plan to get together. It's amazing. Both of these women, amazing things, very accomplished One made me want to run for my life. The other one made me feel very special and important, and I wanted to be with her. So we want to make sure that we focus on others, and we make them feel important like that. You know, there's another practical way that you can do this. It's just be there for others. You know, 90% of life is just showing up. You know what? When someone invites you to something, show up. If you say you're going to come to go to be a part of that small group, show up. If you are invited to a wedding or if someone dies and there's a funeral, do your best to go to these things. Be there for people during their times of need as well as their times of their good times. You know, I can remember several years ago, I had two small children. We were about to move, and I had been packing day and night. I was literally exhausted. I was very emotional about moving and, and just thinking, I was just overwhelmed. I thought, I just don't even know how I'm going to do this. I was praying, Lord, I, I just don't even know how I'm going to do it. The very next morning, a friend showed up at my door, Rosemary. And when she showed up, my outlook on the move completely changed. I was excited. I had expectation, all because she blessed me by showing up. So I encourage you, show up. And also, be happy for others. Don't have an Eeyore attitude like, you know, like, why not me? You want to be excited for people. Be Tigger. Ooh, and (laughs) pounce them. Bounce them, pounce them. What's up like that? I don't know, something like that. I love them. But you know what? You want to be excited for people. If they receive a blessing or some get some good news, be excited for them. The scripture even says in Romans 12, 5, when others are happy, be happy with them. Lisa is awesome at this. She is. She rejoices when you rejoice. And I remember when one of her good friends was getting to purchase a house. They had been renting for a long time. They had some financial difficulties, but they finally put all their quarters together, nickels together, and were able to buy a house. And it was a really cool house, and she wanted uh, us to come over and see it. And so when we drove up to the house, it was on a piece of land, kind of in the country, and uh, had a nice pool. And I remember, okay, when Lisa went inside, and so I'm going to imitate her, okay, I get in trouble when I imitate her, and it's not even close to her, okay? This is the best I can do. So she goes into 
the house and she sees it and she is so excited for her friend and she's grabbing her hands and she's jumping up and down. Oh, I'm so excited. This is awesome. This, the table's going to go here and the drapes are going to go here and this will be great for... Does that sound like you? I did jump up and down. I don't think I sounded like that, <laughs> but I was very excited for her. But she was, I mean, I'm like, wow, this is exciting. Like you won the lottery, girl, for sure. And, but she was so excited because she knows how much it meant to her friend. Now, it's interesting at that very time, we lived in a smaller house. Our kids were getting bigger, and it seemed like our house was getting smaller as our kids got bigger. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And, but Lisa at the time was not looking at this going, oh, man, I wish I had a house like that. She wasn't focusing on what she didn't have. She was focusing on what her friend did have, and she was excited about it. You know, we are to rejoice when others rejoice. So givers, first of all, focus on others. Secondly, it's not good enough just to focus on others, but givers bless others, all right? We're to bless one another. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, the scripture says, I will bless you and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. This is a great example, great teaching, that, and a start for us to understand that we are blessed to bless other people. We need to thank God for the blessings that we have. And as we thank God and we don't take it for granted, we extend blessings to others. You see, givers ask the question, how can I bless someone today? Takers ask the question, who can bless me today? You know, we can bless people with our actions, okay, and with our words. In our actions, we can serve others, we can work for others, we can help others, we can pay for other people's things, we can sacrifice for others. You know, do unto others as you would have them do to you. You know, the golden rule, we need to put that into practice, okay? But not only do we act upon the blessings, but we can also bless people with our words, you know, I wrote this down, and you can write this down as well. You, you hold the power to make another person's life better or worse by the things you say to them today. You literally have the power to bless someone, to make their day, to make their life better. I'm reminded of my friend at the cleaners. His name is Jay. He owns the cleaners, and over the years, probably 15, 20 years, I've been going to the same cleaners and I've made a friendship with him and I will talk with him and visit with him. And now he's got broken English. And so we do the best that we can. And we'll talk about sports or soccer or something like that, but just short, he's always busy, but we get to visit. So this one particular time, I know you can appreciate this, but I had lost a few LBs. All right. I had lost a few pounds. So I was kind of feeling good about myself, all right? And so I went in there to, real quickly to pick up, you know, some cleaning. And, you know, I just happened to have my gym shorts on, you know, my T-shirt and my, and my shoes. And I walked in not thinking a thing about it, talking to, talking to Jay. Hey, how's it going? Great. Get your stuff. Got my stuff. And then I turned around and he said, Steve. And I turned around and he says, you athlete? Wait, 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 wait. What did you just say? He says, you athlete? And I'm like, you dadgum right, I'm an athlete. For sure I'm 
an athlete, I want you to know something. I walked out of that cleaners with my chest up so high and I'll never use another cleaner as long as I live. You see, bless, you have the power to bless people today. Is that right, I think, obviously, Jay made a big impression on you. Yes, he did. And I have seen that walk, that strut. I know what he's talking about. I guess I'll just have to start saying, you athlete, when I get home. I'll I'll have to post me some scrapbook clippings today, and y'all have to look for those on Instagram. Way back in the day. Way back. Very, very impressive. (laughs) But obviously, as from what we just heard, words make a big difference. And Jay was making a big difference in Steve's life that day. Yes, but we can make a big difference in people's lives with our words. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, so encourage each other and build each other up. We really can bless others with our words. I love Proverbs 16.24 when it says, pleasant words are a honeycomb. They are sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. According to the scripture, our words can literally give life to people and heal one's soul. That's pretty powerful. We never know what someone's going through when God brings them into our life. We never know when they are just about at the point where they think they're going to give up. You know, I can remember when my son Stephen was about to go off to college, and I was having a very difficult time. I mean, I had to say difficult is an understatement. I had been crying probably for a year and a half because... Okay. legit. I, I'm serious. A year and a half. We, we're sitting in the stands in the fall, okay? We're looking and watching my son play football, okay? She's crying. And I'm like, baby, what you crying for? And I look at the score. We're winning. Why are you crying? He's going to be gone in a year and a half. And I'm like, could you put that away? We got a football game going on here. It was his last first game of his junior year. <laughs> had to cry about true. it. We keep talking about it. I'll cry about it again. <laughs> Even though he's already graduated and married and, and living four miles from me. Thank you, Jesus. Um, anyway, um, you know, I was struggling. And I was so excited that Stephen was going to get to follow his dreams. I wanted that for him. But I love being a mom. And I love having my children near me. So I was struggling. And on the day that we took Stephen to college, and on several days following that, I just had sweet friends call me and text me with encouraging words. And I literally clung to every word that was spoken over me or sent to me. They were life to me. They helped me get through that difficult transition. It was such a blessing. Our words can bring such life to people. And I just want to ask you, are you being an encourager everywhere you go? Are people excited to see you because you bless them? Or do they want to run away like I wanted to run away from that lady? We can bless people. Be a blessing in your home. Be a blessing to your friends. When you go to work, people should be like, they're here, yay. When you're sick, they should be depressed because you're not there to encourage them. It's, it's important that we speak I'm encouraging you, more. You need to be depressed. I'm sick. <laughs> But I think literally, if you ask me, what is your favorite thing in life, other than spending time with my family and being with this amazing man right here, I love encouraging people. It gets me so excited. I literally have given myself 
headaches because I get so excited when I'm encouraging people. It's almost like the oxygen, I'm not breathing or something because I'm so excited. But it's, it's exciting to encourage people. I started this week, I started something new for myself. I love to text people and encourage others. And I thought, I'm just going to start sending those texts to myself. And so I'm just going to receive those words as well. And it's encouraging. I I'm suggest trying it. But we can be a blessing everywhere we go. I challenge you to encourage people. If you start encouraging the relationships you have, they're going to go to a new level. And then you'll be able also to cultivate new ones. The scripture says in Proverbs 18, 24, a man that has friends must show himself friendly. People are attracted to people who lift them up and encourage them. So go out and be the biggest encourager that you can be. So givers focus on others, givers bless others, but givers also love others. And we really need to focus on how we can love other people in order to cultivate relationship. Paul says uh, to, to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.5, he says, But the goal of our instruction, man, he had spent so much time with Timothy, and he writes it down in the very first chapter of his book to Timothy. He says, The goal of our instruction is love. It's love. It's all about love. And he says, love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. This is the agape kind of love, a, a, a love that has no hook in it, a love with a no, that's no strings attached. God desires for us to be conduits of his love, get his, receive his love, and pass his love on. You want, here's a little more real talk for you, all right? Loving someone from your heart is not enough. You've got to express your love. You just have to. It's not enough just to love someone. You've got to express the love that you have in your heart. Uh, we see in John, 1 John, that the writer uh, picks out a, the danger and points out a danger of us not expressing this type of love. And he says, if you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it, but you turn a cold shoulder or you do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears. And you, I hate that. Don't you hate that? And you made it disappear. You know, love is an action verb. Love is action. Love must be expressed. Let me just say this. If you want strong, healthy, long-lasting relationships, you've got to be able to extend love. Think about your husband, your wife. You've got to extend love. Your son, your daughter, you've got to be able to extend this love that they need to a brother or sister. You've got to extend God's love to them. You know, I'm so very thankful for the Christian father that the Lord blessed me with. And although my dad expressed his love through acts of service or he, he was protective or he provided for me, I just longed to have a deeper relationship with him. And my dad was an introvert, so he was a man of very few words. And so not only was he not verbally expressive, but just outwardly he wasn't expressive. He wasn't much of a hugger or a kisser. And, you know, I just longed for that relationship with him. And I would see with our two small daughters, I would watch how Steve would interact with them and how he loved them. They would 
tickle and cuddle and hug and kiss and go on dates and just have so much fun together. And I was so, so, so thankful that my daughters were receiving this. But I still had a longing for that. Well, several years back, my dad uh, was diagnosed with dementia. And the dementia progressed, and he eventually had to be moved into a facility so that, that he could be cared for. And I just was praying all the time. I'm like, Lord, I just want you to please do something with our relationship before he dies. And it was just the cry of my heart. And so I would pray and pray and pray. And I still, at that, he was 98 at this time. I still was longing for this daddy-daughter relationship with him. The one, like the one that I saw with my daughters and Steve. And so one day, I went to visit my dad like I always did. Something different happened that day, and it changed my life. When I walked in that day, my dad's face lit up. And I told you he's not an expressive man. It lit up. He threw open his arms, and he said, Hello, sweetheart. And he pulled me over to his side, and he began to kiss me and hug me, and he even wanted me to sit in his lap. And all my life, I had wanted that experience that expression and affection from him. And that day, God healed my heart. And for the next year and a half, that was just the theme of our relationship. When I would go, there were hugs, there were kisses, there were smiles, there was hand-holding. It was so beautiful. God redeemed that relationship for me. Well, I was blessed to express my love to my father the last 24 to 48 hours of his life, as I sat by his bedside, I held his bony little hand, I would stroke his face, I was singing over him, praying over him, kissing him, told him how much I loved him. I told him, I told him things that like a little girl would tell their daddy. I held nothing back. All my life I wanted to, and I left nothing unsaid that day. And it was, such a, it was so beautiful for me to be able to do this for him. I told my dad, I said, I know you have always loved me. Well, when my sister came, we knew it was nearing the end. And so she talked to him, and we both said, Daddy, you have finished well. You've done a great job. We've all said our goodbyes now. We love you. There's nothing left unsaid. You can go on and be with Jesus. And just moments later, my dad took his very last breath. But the very last thing that my dad ever heard said to him was, Daddy, I love you. We have to express our love to others I was so blessed that my dad, who would have ever thought, lived to a hundred, and God redeemed that relationship for me. But we, we don't want to take these things for granted. You've got loved ones and friends all around you. It's time you express your love. You may say, I'm an introvert like your dad, or I'm a person of few words. You need to get out of your comfort zone. 
Don't leave anything left unsaid. It's all about relationship. It's all about expressing your love to him. So I encourage you, be a person who expresses your love. So good. This world is starving for love. And we have the love to be able to give to them. How long are you going to allow a broken relationship? How long are you going to hold something against someone? How long are you going to wait for somebody else to make the first move? God wants to fill you with his love so you can love other people. It's not about being right It's not about having your rights. It's not about what went on in the past and trying to figure all that out. Can you just, can can we just love people? Can we just look at our wives? Can we look at our husbands and just say, I'm sorry, I love you. Let's move on. Can we look at our sons and daughters and instead of seeing junk in them and all the things that they're not doing right, can we look at them and say, you're doing this right and I love you. I love you, our brothers and sisters. Can we let them know that we love them? Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.